right, welcome back. Uh, good morning to everybody. This is another episode of Waking Up with Wandy here on the Stock Showdown podcast. Very excited here this morning uh, to have very special guests with us here today. A also might note here a New Jersey resident, just like us here in Sparta, New Jersey. We have Andy Wang from Chatham, New Jersey, joining us here today. Andy is the managing partner at Running Mead Capital Management and the host of Inspired Money, a Forbes Top 10 Personal Finance Podcast by Financial Advisors. Uh, he has a series of accolades and awards, um, but I will turn it over to Andy, and he can give you a little bit more uh, of those accolades if he so chooses, and his background. So without further ado, thank you, everybody, for joining us here today. Andy Wang, everybody. Thank you, Andy. Oh, there's a roaring applause. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, someone once told me, you know, how can you be an expert? You raise your hand. How do you be a guru? You raise two hands. So uh, I don't <laughs> take too much weight on the accolade, but I'm happy to. Uh, it's always nice getting a round of applause or somebody uh, giving you some compliment or award. But yeah, I've been a fee-only financial advisor for over 20 years. For me, it's a family business. Uh, my father, Sam, started the company running me capital management. He was previously director of research at the Bank of New York, one of the oldest banks in the U.S., and ran their research department, then was uh, president of their money management subsidiary before uh, hanging his own shingle. Uh, realizing his immigrant's dream, having come from China and had a long career at the bank, uh, really wanted to own his own business. And for me, actually, never planned to work with my father or to join his company. Uh, as it turns out, my younger brother, Chris, and I both uh, joined my dad and have uh, taken over the firm. So. Yeah, long history of, you know, it's like a family business. My father says, uh, he tells our clients that uh, there used to be a, there used to be what a commercial for like Ronzoni tomato sauce. There's always a Ronzoni mixing the sauce. And <laughs> at Running Mead, our family is always accessible. <laughs> People know where to find us. Yes. And then speaking of, uh, I guess, where to find you, and uh, this is great because you do live uh, so close to us here. Uh, in New Jersey. It, it looks uh, from what I've discovered on your bio here that we could also maybe find you performing the Hawaiian guitar in the tri-state area. Can you elaborate a little bit on that there, uh, Andy? I do that from time to time. I play Hawaiian slash e-guitar, which is a unique finger-style guitar, uh, guitar tradition from the islands of Hawaii, uh, characterized by open tunings, and something that I just stumbled upon because my wife was born and raised on the island of Oahu. And after many visits, uh, I just fell in love with the music, I fell in love with the culture, had played a little bit of guitar, but um, really, really fell in love with Hawaiian music. So there aren't too many of us on the East Coast, so I find myself on these crazy adventures um, you know, playing on stage, playing somebody's wedding, playing at a corporate event, uh, playing for like an opening act for some of my favorite Hawaiian musicians who are coming through New York City or through the East Coast. 
So plenty of adventures, something that I never thought that I would do because I have like terrible stage fright and my goal is just to play music in my living room, never to play in front of anybody. Uh, so that's been a really, really fun adventure. I've met incredible people along the way because of the music and it's really forced me to get out of my comfort zone, get over my fear. And it, it didn't come easily. It took a while, but proof that, uh, you know, practice does help and, um, you, you need to push yourself out of your comfort zone. It's worth it. I'm so glad that you said that is, is pushing yourself out of, out of your comfort zone. Um, and I actually had one of my, um, my juniors, he said that the other day as we were doing a, a group presentation and, um, it, you know, in a, public speaking is not everybody's favorite thing to do, <laughs> especially again at this awkward high school, you know, level. Um, but he, he had said to the one senior that was a little apprehensive to get out there is sometimes you just get, out, you know, just got to get out of your comfort zone. Now, how, how does, how does one do that? Andy, um, and, and what advice can you provide to somebody who's in high school of trying to get out of that uh, uncomfortable zone that they're in? Because, you know, again, let's be honest, in high school, it, it again, is is awkward. It's uncomfortable at times. How does one have the confidence to break out of that uncomfortable zone that they might reside in? What advice can you give? Well, I distinctly remember being in seventh grade and having to read my paper in front of the class. And I think previous to that, it had never really affected me that much. But I remember that day getting in front of the seventh grade class and suddenly being so self-conscious that like I was shaking. My heart was racing. My voice was really, really quiet. And I think it took a long time to get over that fight or flight reflex and my body was saying to flee to get the heck out of there uh, it was really the music years later uh, that kind of was therapy for them uh, and it did like I said it didn't come easily it didn't happen overnight even today I get nervous but I've since been able to stand on stage just me and my acoustic guitar in front of 400 people uh, at the Highline Ballroom in New York City like that blows my mind uh, how did I get there Tina Fey, the comedian and writer, has a very simple quote that I love. Fun is always on the other side of yes. So whenever asked, like whenever an invitation is extended to me, will you play music uh, at our event? I, I more often than not, I say yes. And I think that part of that is a mindset shift because it was told to me early on when I was, you know, shaking in my boots and <laughs> sweating and my hands were shaking. And when your hands are sweaty and shaking, finger style guitar, like picking with your fingers, not using a pick, that is not too good. Like it's, it's hard to play well uh, under those conditions. And, you know, many people, they tell you, picture the audience naked, that never worked. <laughs> uh, two things really helped me. One was a good friend told me, you're not like the audience doesn't want you to fail. They are there to support you and you are there to share your knowledge. 
you're there to share something and that you're sharing a gift. So to have that mindset, I think changes things. You can kind of relax a little bit and you're, you're saying, I'm just here to share something that people want to hear. Uh, for example, if you're going to be speaking in front of an audience and the second thing, uh, I'm totally losing my train of thought now. Uh, the second thing is that in Hawaiian music, when I play, this is a tradition that's passed down master to teacher. It's a folk style music, but I've been fortunate enough to spend time with these Hawaiian slacky guitar masters in Hawaii. And one of my teachers, George Kapumoku from the island of Maui, he told me, don't be afraid when you're up on stage because every teacher that has sat down with you is up on stage with you. He told me, I'm up there with you. And all my teachers are up there with you. So you're not alone. And I found that very comforting too. Um, you, you know, you had mentioned something about playing, um, you know, with the, with the guitar in front of all these people. You also, again, according to the, you played, uh, in for, for Christy Brinkley. I did. Wow. <laughs> I told you there aren't too many, uh, Hawaiian <laughs> musicians here on the East coast. There are a handful of us. So these crazy adventures fall into my lap. I was driving to work one day, driving to the office, right? Financial advisor. I'm driving, I'm commuting to work. I'm thinking about the stock market futures. My cell phone rings. I don't recognize the number. I'm not sure if I should answer. For some reason, I said, well, I'm kind of curious. Let me answer the phone. And on the other end, the person said, good morning. This is Christy Brinkley's assistant. And we're looking for somebody to play Hawaiian music for a private event. Uh, is that something you'd be interested in? And <laughs> fun someone's on the other side of yes. Yeah, you got to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just tell me when. And uh, yeah, it, it was a that that was a night to remember. Uh, basically, Christy Brinkley's stepfather uh, is a well-known Hollywood uh, TV show producer, and split his time between Beverly Hills and the island of Hawaii. So she grew up going to the Hawaiian Islands frequently. Uh, so when her parents passed away, she wanted to bring some like piece of Hawaii to a dedication of a tree planting in her town. So invited me out a very small group. It was just her family and friends, uh, maybe 10 people. And I played music for about 30 minutes. They did a dedication to this tree, uh, some nice comments about both her mom and dad. And, uh, I got to join them for dinner. Uh, I have to say that she is one of the most friendly celebrities that I've had the pleasure of meeting and actually got to have dinner with. So, uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Right. But again, the main takeaway, fun, uh, yes is on the other side of fun. Or fun <laughs> is on, excuse me, fun is on the other side of yes. There you go. I think so. I think you just have to say yes and... Wait for the fun. <laughs> it's going to be scary. But the more often you do that, uh, you, you start getting over the fear. Right. Because experience does matter. Uh, I, I, I think it took me probably 10, 15 years to wow. really feel comfortable playing in front of people. And even still, sometimes I get nervous, but it's not like before. It's not paralyzing. <laughs> um, well, you know, 
Um, now taking some, some things away from, you know, the apprehension and, and being nervous, um, and being on edge, I guess in, in the realms of playing the guitar is one thing, but how about being nervous and, and having that anxiety in the field of what you do on a day-to-day basis in regards to financial advising? Because obviously, you know, as a financial advisor, you're seeing the, you're trying to encourage your clients, I'm sure to see the big picture and and not look at the day-to-day volatility or again you're going to be anxious and on edge. So, how do you prepare yourself and your clients for that, you know, that not being so again anxious in in a in a in a society in a, in a marketplace that kind of not to say promotes it, but where you see it more oftentimes than not. Yeah, I think that it's a very good analogy. Um, you know, buying your first stock or exchange traded funds, that can be scary. And there's a big difference when your timing is right and you buy it and you see the stock going up, you see the stock appreciating, you feel really good. Um, if you're not so fortunate, it's very scary. You, 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 there's a tendency to, you know, to log in to your app or website in the old days, you keep looking at your statements and <laughs> it, it can cause a lot of anxiety. And um, I think the, the tough part is that, as you said, you need to have a long-term view and history has shown us that if you invest in quality companies, if you invest in the S&P 500, just as a broad market average, if you just hold that and it's like tuck it under your pillow and don't look at it 20 years from now, 10 years from now, usually five years from now, um, you know, it's appreciated nicely. And in the near term, there's just a lot of noise. And um, the challenge is that there, there are things that are out of your control and you just have to have a faith in your strategy, whether that's going to be buying the S&P 500 and just holding it. Uh, for your students, they have, they're in the best position if they have any money that they can uh, invest in the stock market because your money has two best friends and that's time and the power of compounding. So if you're young, if you're, un- if you're under 20 years old, you have a very long investment horizon. Um, you know, that, that money that you make over the summer the little that you don't spend, if you invest that, by the time you retire, it can grow into something significant. And that's growing while you're not paying attention. That's growing while you're sleeping. And that's very powerful. So you had mentioned, uh, you know, buying the S&P 500, you know, index via ETF or anything like that, um, which, you know, again, these kids have that time on their on their, uh, on their side. Um, unfortunately, I believe a lot of, not a lot, but there's a, let's just say a lot of people, I think it's not just high school students that live in a society or live in a world or have a mentality of instant gratification. They don't like waiting. They want results and they want them now. And then they see, you know, or they hear stories about how I invested. And I see this in your bios. I'm really, I'm, I'm really uh, curious to see what you say on this. You know, they see that, you know, this person made millions of dollars buying GameStop or they made millions of dollars buying, 
um, and maybe this will lead to another question, uh, Dogecoin or Shiba Inu or any of these different cryptocurrencies that are out there. So what kind, and again, I'd love to hear your stories about owning GameStop. So if you'd like to elaborate upon that, I'm all ears. Sure, I'm happy to get into that. That, that was a um, unusual one for us and uh, kind of atypical to the type of stocks that we've owned. But um, yeah, I, I think that there is a tendency for investors, young and old, it includes everybody. Uh, you know, you want to, you want the home run. You want to make as much money as you can as quickly as you can. And unfortunately, we also know like risk and reward. Usually if there's this huge potential reward, you're also taking huge risk. And uh, that has a very high probability of not ending well. Um, I think that younger investors, if you're going to generalize, we've, we've had things like cryptocurrency. You mentioned Dogecoin, early Bitcoin investors, other cryptocurrencies, uh, other blockchain investments. They've appreciated so much in such a short period of time. It makes the stock market look boring. I think that there is a generation of investors who are questioning, should they invest in the stock market because it's not moving fast enough? That's not where the action is. Uh, my dad always taught me that, you know, the, the tortoise and the hare, Aesop's fable, that applies to investing too. Uh, he, he, he always uh, impressed upon us that with investing, boring is good. And for us, the baseline is looking at company earnings. If a company is growing its earnings every quarter, every year, uh, there are those companies that do that consistently, some of them for over 40 years. And that's, you know, multi-generational with different management teams. Those companies, the earnings matter. There's a, there's a correlation between earnings growth and stock price. And it may seem boring, but that, that value of compounding, that lesson of compounding uh, is, what, is where great investors really make a lot of money over time. Uh, if you're so lucky to have some big winners in there, then that's a blessing. But I certainly would not advocate trying to, you know, go for the long shots, um, you know, without without like a broader portfolio, because that's the only way you can mitigate some of that risk when I say that you're taking a big risk for a big return. If you're taking that approach, you really need to have more positions. You need to have investments in different sectors and different areas, uh, because that's one way to protect yourself. Uh, so for our clients, we did own some GameStop in 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 2021, and that was uh, that was something that I had never experienced before. Uh, we had done the research. We started buying in around December of 2020 and January of 2021. Um, it came it came on our radar because we had owned Chewy during the pandemic. Chewy, ah, yes. Online pet retailer, and that stock had just done very well. Uh, benefited by the pandemic because people were going out less and ordering things online. Chewy just has a very strong brand in the pet area, which is surprising to me. 
Amazon didn't have as strong a brand uh, in that sort of niche as they do in others. So Chewy has just grown uh, customer acquisition. And what we liked about that story was that um, customers tend to spend around $100 in year one. But then year two, they buy more. They, they may spend $150. And then year three, they're spending $200. Uh, so we, we felt like there was a pandemic play here, but it also had some longevity. It wasn't just going to be a very, very short-term phenomenon. That as they brought those customers in, there's a, there's a tendency for the customers to spend more per year. So that just um, that, that would be positive for Chewy's revenue growth and ultimately earnings. Um, founder of Chewy, uh, one of board member on GameStop, and <laughs> has an investment company today. Uh, Ryan Cohen, he started he started investing in GameStop, and we were kind of curious to see what is Ryan seeing there, because Wall Street, everybody's saying that uh, GameStop's the next blockbuster. We took a look and said. It's, it could be the next blockbuster, but it also seems a little bit premature to make the call. And back in 2020, there were two new game consoles that have come out. Historically, when a new game console comes out, GameStop does well because that drives traffic to their stores where their customers buy games and the consoles. Uh, when we looked at the Wall Street earnings estimates, to us it looked like it wasn't accounting for these for the new gaming cycle at all. You know, the new game console cycle, there were shortages, um, they were in demand. So to us, it looked like customers should be going into the stores. Uh, there could be a positive earnings surprise that's just not being accounted for. Uh, and at $20, roughly $20, a little bit less, a little bit more, we said, we think that the risk to reward is attractive. So, you know, we bought a little bit for our clients. Little did we know uh, that, you know, Reddit was going to jump on board, that it was going to become a meme stock. Um, so we were, we were there for a wild ride. And in my view, we had done the research, we had made a sound uh, investment decision, and then we kind of got lucky because we didn't know that it was going to become this um, meme stock phenomenon. And yet, uh, thank you, Andrew. And yet, um, now it has pulled back from its all-time highs of like four hundred and eighty some dollars a share, but yet still remains at a pretty elevated level of uh, right now. I'm looking at it, one hundred and fifty-seven dollars a share, which yeah. to me, when you bought it at twenty, and even prior to that, when it was I don't know a dollar fifty, two dollars, whatever it was, when this whole thing started. Do you think that it still um, is is overvalued at this point, or does does that value is that is that an indicative representation of solid earnings potential and growth? Yeah, I think by traditional metrics, it's still very overvalued. Uh, the big question mark is that Ryan Cohen has a vision to transform the company, and. If you look at the last six to 12 months, they've been hiring new people. And many of those, many of those new hires are coming from Chewy and even Amazon Web Services, which is very interesting. Um, 
Ryan Cohen has kept his vision pretty close to his, you know, he, he hasn't really shared publicly what he has in mind, not in detail at all. Um, so people are wondering, could it become an e-gaming company? Could it be, you know, like virtual streaming? We don't know what it's going to be, but there's certainly a transition taking place. And how to value that is very challenging. Um, because you can't, you're not using traditional metrics. As you alluded to, I think that the market is looking, it's forward looking. Um, they see that there are changes happening and it's hard to, it's hard to, to come up with what is that future stream of earnings going to look like? Because we don't even know what the company is going to look like. Um, but I will say that Ryan Cohen has a pretty darn good track record having founded Chewy uh, you know, it's a very, pretty much from nothing in growing it into like a, a very successful brand. If he can transform GameStop, if there's anybody that can transform GameStop, I think that he is capable. Uh, it's a long shot, but I think it's possible. All right. Well, sit back and enjoy the ride then on GameStop. <laughs> um, uh, we are getting short on time. I can't believe again, uh, I guess time flies when you're having fun. And when we're talking uh, finance and we're talking stocks, that's that's my bread and butter. It's something I love to talk about. So we are getting short on time here. We'd love to have you back on the show, Andrew. Again, you're uh, very wise and, and uh, love your mentality. Uh, do you have any final parting words for the Stock Showdown audience, which again, I must emphasize is predominantly high school students. Any final parting words here for my audience? Well, thank you for having me on. Thank you for teaching the students because they are indeed our future. And I find that we don't get enough uh, personal finance or investing in school. So kudos to you. I, I just encourage the students to keep learning. There's just so much information out there. Um, visit the Inspired Money podcast or YouTube channel. We're at youtube.com slash inspired money, where I try to I try to talk to inspiring guests about positive money stories. Sometimes that includes investing. Sometimes that includes charity, right? Giving money away. Uh, but we all have to deal with money. So I think that um, having a positive money mindset is really important. And to always have this, um, have this really curious mind that you want to be learning all the time. Well, thank you again, Andrew, for your time today. We had Andrew Wang. Uh, and again, final parting words was fun is on the other side of yes. So I'm going to remember that vividly. Thank you for joining us, Andrew. This is Andrew Wang and Wandy from the uh, Waking Up with Wandy Stock Showdown podcast signing off. God bless. <laughs>